Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Well, hi, I'm Chris Kirk, and welcome to uh, the Wild Blue Podcast, where we talk about uh, aviation lives, lifestyles, business. And, uh, and today, we have uh, a special guest with us. It's Don Sumple. Don is the Executive Director of Angel Flight Central here in Kansas City. And Don, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So um, you're, uh, you're the ED there at, uh, at Angel Flight. Can you kind of give just a, a description on what your job entails? Basically, I'm in charge of overseeing the operation, uh, working with uh, donors, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, we follow the best possible uh, business practices within the organization. Uh, we collaborate. I collaborate with uh, other organizations on a national basis. There's no national Angel Flight organization. Uh, there are other regional organizations, and we have an MOU, and we have a protocol that we work with. So I correspond and communicate with all them. Uh, basically, also, uh, it's called the Air Charity Network, by the way, that I work with. Uh, we have Angel Flight Northeast, Angel Flight Mid-Atlantic, Angel Flight Southeast, of course, Central, South Central and West. And we have a great relationship, and it helps get people from one region to another uh, in a very smooth and natural way. You know, uh, I, I probably should have uh, I got the, the, the car a little ahead of the horse here, but can you, because there's probably going to be some folks watching or listening that don't really understand what Angel Flight even is. Can, can you give a, an overview on what Angel Flight does? I'll tell you what, we're an under the radar organization, Chris. <laughs> Literally, and excuse the pun. Um, Angel Flight is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and uh, we arrange charitable flights for access to health care or other humanitarian purposes with the help of volunteer pilots. Uh, we collaborate with other organizations like I just mentioned. And uh, there's people today that are alive because of our wonderful volunteer pilots and the organization uh, getting to these treatment facilities. Uh, there has to be a need by the passenger, uh, financial need in most cases. Uh, we do a screening and then uh, we hook them up with the pilot and get them to their destination. So the pilots are volunteering and uh, the pilots aren't compensated in any way. They're taking these folks from point A to point B uh, as right. case can be. Yep. Uh, volunteer, they take care of their uh, the communication once we get them all set up with the pilot and passenger. Uh, we also, uh, they take care of the fuel costs. Uh, it's a strictly donated service and it enables our organization for every dollar donated to really put into almost $5 worth of uh, funding. So at, at Angel Flight Central, um, how many pilots do you have that, uh, that volunteer for you that are, I, I should say, active? You know, how, how many folks are out there doing this? Yeah, we have about 320 pilots throughout our 10-state region. And um, we cover the mid to upper Midwest. So that would be Kansas, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, um, Minnesota, Indiana, and of course, Illinois, our, our 10 state region. Okay. And so the pilots, do they, are they um, limited to doing missions in those areas or do they oftentimes go outside that geographic region? No, we'll actually, uh, if they originate in our 10 state region, they have the option, say, if someone's going from, uh, say, Kansas City to uh, Philadelphia CHOP Hospital, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, for instance, that pilot would have the option to take the flight the whole way. If they don't, uh, we try to keep them in and around 300 nautical miles uh, for expense and time-wise. 
uh, and then we would link with another organization, probably Angel Flight Mid Atlantic, to get them into Philadelphia. Okay. What types of what types of planes are they typically using? You name it, we got it. Um, you know, a lot of Bonanzas, uh, four to six seaters. Uh, we have a few uh, uh, King Airs, some jets. Uh, we try to keep the jets in the larger, the heavier metal for longer flights. Uh, and uh, basically, it said, you know, smaller general aviation planes um, that we, our pilots use. And, and the patients are always ambulatory? Yes, that is a criteria for them to uh, get in and out of the plane uh, and fly with us. Uh, they also have to be able to dispense their own medication. Uh, they are allowed a caregiver. Uh, the oxygen has to be contained in a uh, FAA-proof canister. And of course, the um, luggage is limited to 50 pounds uh, per flight because of the, the size of the planes, but the luggage does fly free. Right. Okay. <laughs> another another benefit or another bonus. That's it. Another just another thing from Angel Flight Central to our passengers. All right. No well, add-ons. Uh, <laughs> if you can't tell, uh, you know Don has a, a unique voice. He's got a, a radio voice, and so I'm going to use that Don as a little bit of a segue. Uh, you know, what what's your background? I, I know what your background is, but you know, what what is your background, and uh, and how did you get involved with Angel Flight? We well, you know, it's interesting. My background, I've spent uh, 30 years in radio. Uh, started off as an on-air talent, uh, went to become a program director, and uh, did some management, uh, GM to station in Denver for a short period of time. Uh, specialized in startups and turnarounds in the radio industry. And then uh, in 2007, 2008, 2009, sort of what we're going through now, the economy started to tailspin, and these uh, radio companies started to make cuts. Uh, I was actually coaching uh, Blue Valley Rec baseball with my son, and one of the dads on the teams, uh, the sons on the team, uh, was uh, the Blue Cross and Blue Shield uh, CEO at the time, and was an Angel Flight Central pilot. And I got to know him quite well, and really got to know uh, the mission, was very enamored by the mission. And then uh, they were looking for an executive director at the time. They were looking for somebody with management, marketing, and promotional experience. And he asked if I had any interest. And with the radio industry being uncertain, uh, sent my resume to him. And uh, here, 10 and a half years later, I'm talking to Chris Kirk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the pinnacle of your career, no doubt. <laughs> hey, it's a highlight. And, you know, you, you should be commended because I know a lot of good stuff that you do, too, in the community. So uh, we're, I'm proud to be here with you. I really am. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I appreciate that. Um, okay, so, you know, you're, you're not a pilot, though, right? I am not. No. Okay. As and a matter of fact, none of the staff is uh, are pilots. Uh, we have many board members that are, and I think by design, they sort of like that little bit of, uh, you know, uh, non-partial opinions uh, right. that they get from, uh, you know, the staff on a regular basis. And uh, I respect that. I really do. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because I, I would see that almost as a, as a benefit, not as a, uh, not as a detriment to the organization, because it brings in a little bit of a different perspective. And is that pretty much the case? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we really do, and we have a great collaborative board. Um, uh, the board matrix is uh, very incredible as far as different skill sets and the like. And I would say about 80 to 90% work in aviation have, uh, they are pilots. Uh, we have a couple that aren't, but they bring a different skill set in. Uh, we have an aviation attorney on the board. 
and uh, the ability to actually have people that are doing the day-to-day -day express their feelings as what they're seeing and what they're actually hearing and what they're you know dealing with uh, from a non-aviation perspective, I think really gives the board insight as to what the organization goes through on a daily basis. And how many board members are there? We have 14 board members. 14, okay. Yep. Is it a, what I would call a working board? Very much so, very much so. As a matter of fact, our board president just flew 1,500 pounds of PPE out to Colorado on Wednesday for Heart to Heart International on his King Air. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very active and I'm truly blessed. It makes my job a lot easier, Chris. They are incredible people. Yeah, that's neat. So, and, and then how many employees? We have five full-time employees, including myself. And uh, we have two people in flight coordination. Uh, one is full-time, one does um, part-time flight coordination and is doing outreach for the organization. Uh, then we have an operations director. We have a person that handles our accounting and bookkeeping and she does social media. And then myself. And they're all full-time? Yep, yep. Yeah, just as kind of a side note, Don's office is actually uh, right across the airport from where uh, I'm sitting right now. I'm, I'm uh, in our office in the Atlantic Aviation Facility here at the Kansas City Downtown Airport, and then Don is on the east side, but because of the coronavirus stuff, uh, he's at home today. But uh, I've spent some time on charity boards and have a real sympathy for the executive director because I know how much of a herding cats scenario it can be. So I'm kind of interested in, you know, your leadership philosophy, because obviously you've done a fantastic job with Angel Flight and how you bring all those elements together. You know, the volunteers, the board, the donors, uh, your team. Uh, how do you make that work? Well, I got to be honest, I'm fairly easygoing. Um, I am a, a big delegator. Uh, I really believe in surrounding myself with good quality people and letting them do their jobs. Uh, I'm very strategic. Uh, I, once we set a direction, uh, at the beginning of each year, we go through a SWATS exercise uh, in January with the, with the staff. And that's looking at our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we put up big sheets, we write down all the, the strengths, all the weaknesses, all the opportunities and threats. And then we go through the process after that of having each member of the staff pick three essential things under the category of operation, fundraising, and outreach. And then we work putting everything together. And I only picked three under each category because you can have a list a mile long and nothing gets done. Uh, it gets, it's actually intimidating for people to see what, so we basically look at, okay, what's the three things we need to accomplish operationally that's gonna have the biggest impact on the organization this year? What's the three things we're gonna look at that's gonna have the biggest impact on funding this year? And then the same thing with our outreach. And that's what we focus on for the year. And uh, it's worked extremely well. Uh, I manage, let the people do their work. Uh, they, they're hired for a reason. They're hired for their talent. Uh, we have a staff meeting every Tuesday at 10. Uh, I have an open door policy, but it's really a, a great team effort. I'm 
so happy with the staff that I've had over the last 10 and a half years. Now we've had some people, you know, come and go, but everybody is dedicated to the passion of the mission and also super serving our pilots, our passengers and our donors. And so can you share what kind of uh, annual budget you guys work with? Yeah, our annual budget is right around without charitable uh, fundraising expenses. We're right around uh, $410,000 a year, you know, okay. uh, daily, daily and monthly expenses. Yep. And, and most of that is covered by the, the fundraising or their endowments that are associated with that? Most of them are fundraising. Uh, we do a major event called Wine Flight. Uh, that's usually in the fall, November. And that takes care of about almost four months of our funding. And uh, we have some other events throughout our 10 state region. Uh, we do a spring appeal and a holiday appeal that generates funds. And of course, uh, you know, some small grants come in throughout the year and it works extremely well. Wine flight by far is, is huge for us. Yeah, and so just given what's going on now, is there, uh, is there much concern or talk about how that's gonna pan out for 2020? You know, we're addressing that right now. I think we're gonna wait till July and see exactly where this uh, virus situation is and uh, maybe make a decision whether or not uh, we'll do it live or virtual. Um, but it is concerning like everything else out there right now. Uh, yeah. Whether you're in the sports world, the business world, uh, it's, it's very disconcerting and it's gonna be interesting to see how the rest of this year really shapes up. Yeah, yeah, I hope it, I certainly hope it works out because it's a great event to attend and it's one of those things with any fundraiser, I think when you have the folks there in person and you can get that emotional attachment, the ask always seems to be a little more effective. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if uh, I should probably explain maybe what wine flight is, uh, if you don't mind me taking a few Oh, minutes. yeah, that'd be great. You know, wine flight is predicated on a wine competition called the Jefferson Cup Wine Competition, uh, hosted by Doug Frost. And Doug Frost is one of four people in the entire world with the titles Wine Sommelier and Wine Master. And he runs this wine competition, and it starts usually on a Thursday morning and runs through noon on Friday. And after that, uh, he'll donate the wine, which usually is about 1,500 bottles of wine. And uh, we built this fundraiser around it. It's a wine tasting. So the doors would open at 6.30, run until uh, about 8 o'clock with the wine tasting and silent auction and some fun little games that we have. Then we have a sit-down meal. Uh, after that, we have a program where we honor some of our volunteers. We usually have a passenger and a pilot speak on behalf of the organization, we do a fund a need and then a live auction with about uh, 12 uh, live auction items, which are pretty neat uh, trips and you know things of that nature. And it's a fun event. Uh, we usually draw between 400 and 450 people. People like it because the guys don't have to wear tuxes and it's business casual or sports jacket. And you know, uh, I try to wear a tie. <laughs> but uh, you know being the head honcho you want to look good uh, but anyway it's been uh, very successful for the organization and I can't thank Doug Frost enough for I think this will be our 15th year 16th year doing it and he's been phenomenal wow yeah it's a it's a neat event so you know there's a lot of folks and I, I'm always um, I'm always surprised by the number of people in GA that don't know about something I would think would be a fairly common knowledge, like angel flight, for example. And, you know, what, what can you share or what, what would, 
what would you tell some of those folks who don't know about it, how to become involved and, and what types of pilots, you know, for the, on the volunteer side, what, what, who are the kind of people you're looking for? Well, you know, we're looking for people that, you know, truly want to give back to the community. Uh, you know, one of the things that is a common statement I hear from everybody that flies for our organization is that they would be flying anyway. And it's a great opportunity for them to put their love for aviation into helping people get to treatment facilities that they would have difficulty getting to. So if you want to give back to the community, uh, tie that in with your love of aviation. This is a great organization, whether you're in our region, whether you're in Angel Flight Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, Southeast region, it's a wonderful way to give back to people that are truly in need of medical help. I'll tell you right now, Chris, there are people alive today, men and women, that wouldn't be if it wasn't for the Angel Flight organizations and the pilots that are, are members and, and serve those organizations. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that's, uh, that's the case across all the different Angel Flight organizations that are out there. Are there any kind of restrictions on the types of airplanes that work for an Angel Flight mission or the types of things that you guys try to, you know, maybe not encourage? The only one we don't take is uh, experimental aircraft. Um, that is something that the organizations do not usually, you know, get involved with. Uh, if you're interested in becoming an Angel Flight Central pilot, you know, all the criteria, the, the uh, requirements and things are at angelflightcentral.org. That's angelflightcentral.org. We're always looking for pilots. Um, we actually have suspended GA passenger flights uh, right now. Uh, we're sort of gearing up right now to get back in it uh, because of social distancing and the like. Uh, but now a lot of the medical treatment facilities are starting to open up and there's gonna be a need and we're going through the safety processes right now of trying to make sure that we're keeping the pilot and the passenger safe. And uh, we'll be rolling out some information next week. But uh, uh, we are doing uh, PPE flights, cargo flights. Uh, we're flying uh, blood plasma into St. Louis from Montana and North Dakota every Saturday and Sunday to help with the virus uh, condition. Uh, we've flown mother's milk to uh, a milk bank up in Minnesota to help with the shortage there. Uh, we've flown PPE into uh, Kearney County Hospital in Western Kansas, into a hospital in Lexington, and we're gonna be doing more of that uh, as we uh, continue to uh, move forward through this uh, coronavirus uh, situation. Yeah, and that's neat to see. I've been watching the website on some of the missions that are popping up and have seen a lot of those PPE missions have, have disappeared in terms of they're getting picked up. I think they're, they're getting, they're pretty popular for, for folks to get out there and fly. And then I've also noticed here lately, it looks like there are some little longer term where there are some passenger ones that are at least showing up on the website. Yeah. You know, we've been uh, very fortunate. We've had a, a wonderful relationship with Southwest Airlines. And uh, during this time, for those people that truly needed to get to their um, treatment facility, we've been able to use uh, that commercial resource to get them there. So uh, we've been able to help those that truly needed the, uh, the attention medically that they had. Yeah. Well, not that it should be a, a primary concern for, for volunteers, but I know the question comes up or is in some folks' mind, and that is, as they do these volunteer flights, uh, are those tax deductible? They are. Uh, at the end of the year, the uh, pilot will have an opportunity to go through uh, what we call the AFID system. They'll be able to print out 
uh, all the flights that they've done. And then it's up to the pilot and their financial advisor how they want to handle that. Uh, we do not get involved with any of that, but the reporting is there at the end of each year. Right. So you make that easy for them to figure that out where they don't oh, yeah. have an account for much of it. Yeah. What happens is once you become a pilot, um, you know, you send in your application, uh, you go through a one hour, maybe an hour, 15 minute orientation video, and then uh, you'll get a membership ID. You'll be able to go into our, our website, see the flights available that are there, uh, sign up for the flight. Uh, our flight coordinator will uh, hook you up with a Wellspring passenger. And then uh, the pilot and the passenger will basically make arrangements that, you know, what FBO they'll meet at, uh, what time. And it's a, a very simple process. Hmm. Okay. That's good. So can you give any kind of um, overview or background on the demographics of the pilots who do volunteer? Do you see that they come from um, more one area of life than another? So, for example, uh, more business owners than non-business owners or more aircraft owners versus because people rent their airplanes as well to fly angel flight missions. That's correct. Yep. Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, I think probably um, the people that take uh, most of the flights are probably those, you know, in, you know, nearing retirement, um, those that have the time. We do have quite a few people that are retired that uh, love flying. Yeah, it gives them something to do. Uh, so it's a little bit maybe on the older end. However, we're seeing more and more younger uh, gentlemen and women uh, sign up and start to take some flights. Uh, I do believe that I would say most people own their own aircraft. Uh, we do have those that belong to flying clubs and, and uh, rent, uh, and they do an incredible job. So it's a, a little bit more own, owned aircraft, uh, but uh, you know, the ones that rent, they, they are very diligent. Uh, they love flying, and uh, they're, they're still out there helping us tremendously. Yeah. Do they have to be instrument rated? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we do have that as a qualification right now. Uh, again, all the qualifications are at angelflightcentral.org. Uh, we do have a little bit higher standard uh, as far as a little bit uh, higher than the FAA's requirements uh, based on currency and the like, uh, simply due to the fact that they're flying some passengers. Uh, but all that's available on our website. Okay. Well, what, you know, if any organization, there's misconceptions around that organization. What do you see that people don't really understand about Angel Flight that, that needs to be cleared up? Well, they think we're an emergency service. <laughs> uh, we get we get confused with the helicopters a lot, uh, and uh, we're not an emergency service. All these appointments are uh, appointment driven, and we usually ask for seven to ten days uh, once uh, the request comes in from the passenger to get that filled. As you know, the pilots are all volunteer; they work, uh, they have families. Uh, the other thing is they also think we just fly children, and uh, that's far from the truth. 65 to 70% of the flights we make are with adults. Now, we do do children's flights, uh, and we also do children's camps. Unfortunately, they're all canceled this year, but we will do about 150 to 225 children's camps during the course of the summer. Uh, these camps are free for the parents, and in many cases, the guardians. Uh, these are kids that are suffering from HIV, AIDS, cancer, heart disease, burn victims. The camps are free. The medical attention is there. All the activities are geared around those needs by those kids. 
and our pilots will take them up, drop them off, either the same pilot or another pilot will pick them up after a week. And it really makes those kids summer. Uh, they get a chance to hang around kids with the same issues that they're dealing with. And uh, going up, I've been on a couple of those flights in the right seat. Kids are pumped up and the whole bit. And then coming home after a week, you're not even in the air and <laughs> they're out like that. <laughs> it's a lot quieter on the ride home. <laughs> the flight home is very quiet, but it's, it's wonderful to see. And, and, but these are just to, to make sure I understand, these are camps that are, that are run by different organizations. Angel That's flight correct. is not running. Yeah, we're, we're just the transportation source. Yeah. Okay. They reach out to us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've had a relationship with a couple of the camps up in Minnesota for a long, long time. And uh, we provide them with uh, a, quite a large donation in flight services done by our pilots. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's great. And so, you know, I mean, you, you know, with what you do with Challenge Air, uh, the expression on those kids and everything that they do, uh, been at Challenge Air for almost the 10 years I've been there. And uh, it's just wonderful to see the, the kids and the expression and the fun they're having. It's uh, it, it's heartwarming. Yeah, it, it's uh, sometimes I got to walk over off to the side and and not let you know, not let somebody see a grown man cry because <laughs> there's just times where you're just you know the the uh, the excitement for some of these kids. It's just it's wonderful. Yeah, it is. It's it's a tremendous feeling. So how do you deal with? Um, changes in schedule, you know, so you've got a, you've got a volunteer, for example, and they're not retired, they're still working. And I can see where maybe they would be a little hesitant to volunteer because they say, you know, I, four weeks out, six weeks out, whatever the case may be, I just, I just don't know what might pop up that I'm going to have to attend to. Um, you know, how, how reasonable is it for those folks to go ahead and, and volunteer for a mission and uh, you know and a week into it or two weeks into it or whatever the case may be they they realize they just can't do it does that happen much and how do you deal with that you know it happens um we get on the phone real quick <laughs> yeah. a lot uh what ha does happen is uh, some unfilled flights um and that to me is a little bit more discon disconcerting. Uh, and that's usually for flights on a weekend or something like that. We may have one or two and uh, we make some calls on Thursday and Friday. But uh, other than that, uh, it doesn't happen that, that much. It's, it's, you know, maybe a mechanical. Uh, we have more cancellations, needless to say, due to the weather, uh, especially during the summer months, uh, you know, some icing issues in the, in the winter and things like that. But uh, the pilots are pretty dependable and, uh, what happens is there might be two or three pilots will sign up for that flight. Um, so if that first pilot does have an issue, whether they're sick or have a mechanical, we'll go to the second pilot that, you know, has signed up for that flight and see if they're available during that time. And the organization's really clear too uh, about if there's something unsafe or, you know, the pilot is the final decision maker here. And, and so the, because it's not an emergency service, um, if, if a decision has to be made in, in terms of safety, you guys stand right behind that and say, that's, that's it, right. That's exactly your decision. Yeah, it is. It's the pilot's call. They're the PIC. And, you know, you get to a point where we tell our pilots, and I sent out a letter, I'd rather have a canceled flight because you could cancel a flight 
you can't cancel a bad decision. Right. You know, and uh, we really try to promote a culture of safety. Um, We try to stay away from the word mission because it's a mindset. Uh, We like to refer to them as flights. Um, And uh, basically having the pilot safety and the passenger safety is really the most important thing that we care about during the course of our business day, weekends or whatever. Uh, Pilot safety, passenger safety, and doing things right. So I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. What what uh, what would you say is the the best? And then maybe if you could you know share maybe the worst leadership decisions that you've made since you've been uh, involved with Angel Flight. Whew. Um, I guess the best was you know when we recruit our board. Uh, I do have input and. Uh, I think we've uh, had some incredible referrals uh, to the organization and being involved in that process with some of the incredible beings that we have on our board has been uh, just uh, an incredible experience for the organization. Um, Also, I believe that doing the SWATs uh, has been very important to our organization. And I'll give you another one. Uh, When I came on board in 2009, uh, we were approached by the Better Business Bureau and uh, to be a, a rated charity. And that involved going through a 20-step process, and it was tedious. Mm. But the board president that I mentioned uh, that was uh, the son played on the baseball team came on September 1st of 09, and I came on September 1st of 09, and we decided to go through that process. And that process has made our organization stronger and better. And we go through that process every two years to be accredited charity. And uh, that thing and that process through the Better Business Bureau of Kansas City has made us a better organization. Yeah, interesting. So now, so now, you know, the, the hard part, what, what, what uh, you know, if you had to do it over again, what would you do? You know, I'm going to probably give you an answer that you're just going to sit there and laugh at. Uh, I think, I don't think I would do anything different. Um, I think you make mistakes and you learn from those mistakes. Uh, you grind through losses um, and you learn from them. So I don't think there's anything that a person could go through. Uh, you know, you have losses, you make mistakes, you make bad judgment. Uh, but if you learn from those, I really don't think that uh, there's anything to regret. Uh, it makes you stronger. I tell my son all the time that life is nothing more than persevering. Uh, He's in the advertising agency business. And uh, you have ups and downs, you lose clients, you win clients, uh, you you basically have a great campaign. Uh, Sometimes things don't work out the best, but as long as you learn from your mistakes and uh, you can absorb a loss and realize why, and you you go forward from that, it makes you a stronger individual. And it also, gives you a foundation to look for so you don't make those same mistakes again. Uh, so really, I, that's, that's my answer. Uh, I may be a cop-out, but uh, that's the way I feel. Now, it's a great answer. It's a great answer because I think a lot of people try to avoid failing. And when you do that, you don't learn. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you're not failing, you're not trying, uh, in my opinion. Uh, right. You know, tell me one businessman or one person that's running an organization, whether it's uh, you know Clark Hunt for the Chiefs, 
um, Andy Reid or uh, somebody that's running uh, Delta, uh, you're going to get to a point where you're going to you're going to make a mistake, you're going to make a, a poor decision, uh, and that's just part of being in that position. And it's what you do with the mistake or the loss or whatever uh, is you know how you grow and you put yourself in a better position the next time that particular situation comes along. Yeah. A good perspective. So, you know, we're getting kind of close to, to a time limit here, but I do want to, I do want to ask one final question. And that is, you know, what, what's next for Angel Flight? What's next for Don Sample? Well, I just want to continue to build the organization uh, to be as strong and be one of the best charitable aviation organizations there is in the country. Um, I want to make sure that the organization, when the time does come for me to leave, uh, I leave it in the best possible situation that I can. Um, we have three-legged stool. Uh, we have passengers, we have pilots, and we call it pennies, but we need a lot of pennies. Uh, and I try to keep that three-legged stool balanced. And I appreciate what our pilots do. I appreciate what our donors do. And I appreciate what our passengers are going through. So we try to super serve all three of those legs of that stool each and every day. Can you, I know you did it once already, can you remind everyone how to get a hold of you? What's the best way to contact you and Angel Flight? Yeah, just go to our website. All the information's there for all the staff. Anything you need to know if you want to be a pilot, uh, passenger information is there. It's angelflightcentral.org. That's angelflightcentral.org. Everything is there for you. And I hope uh, we have uh, people out there that have never heard of the organization, now can uh, get the word out about the organization. Uh, there's so many people out there, Chris, that can use our service, but really have no idea that we even exist. So anything uh, the viewers or the people listening to this podcast can do to help get the organization's name out there to those in need would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions in general aviation, but the thing that, that I hope folks hear from this, uh, this episode is, is how many good giving people there are within the general aviation community that really, you know, they want to help others. They're using their airplanes, their aircraft, their talents, their time, their, their resources to do that. And Angel Flight is one of those spectacular ways and a great example of how to get involved with your airplane and, and really just make a difference. So Don, thank you so much. I certainly appreciate uh, all this time that you've spent with me. It's been very enlightening. And, uh, and looking forward to working with you over the years. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, here's the blue skies and the tailwind, my friend. That's right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.